Welcome to Value Investor TV podcast. Uh, this is a podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari Radhakrishnan. And this is episode 16, balance sheet. And uh, balance sheet is specifically asset part of the balance sheet. Um, as a quick reminder of what we talked about in the previous two episodes, uh, we talked about income statement. Remember, uh, we talked about we broke it down into two different uh, two different episodes. The income statement we talked about uh, from the top line all the way to the bottom line, and broke it down into first episode was all about um, from top line to operating margin, operating income, and then the last part of the the second part of the inc- the episode uh, of the income statement. Uh, it was about the last leg of the journey from the operational operational income to the bottom line. Now today we want to move on to the second financial statement that is balance sheet, and we want to tell you about that. Um, but but before we do that, why don't we take a quick overview of what the balance sheet is and dive into the asset portion of it? So, Kari. I mentioned earlier that balance sheet is broken down into asset and liability and equity. So can you tell us a little bit about the overview and then we can go into the asset more in detail? Yeah, you probably, you know, I think we used this analogy before. You've probably heard of uh, those three terms, assets, liabilities, and equity. Uh, if you've ever talked about a, a home loan or a mortgage, um, you know, the asset is what you own. The liability is what you owe. And the equity is the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you repeat that one more time? Yeah. So the asset is what you own. What I own. Yes. The liability is what you owe. Mm-hmm. You know, to the bank or to the to, to the creditors. Yep. And then the equity is the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you start talking about assets, liabilities, and equity, right? That same concept, whether it's a mortgage or you know a company's balance sheet, is the same. Um, and so, you know, it's important to remember that the balance sheet is kind of like your bank statement. Mm-hmm. So the bank will send you a statement at the end of the month, the end of the quarter, whatever, and it'll have a date on it. And that is, as of this date, these are what is your what you own, what you owe, and the difference between the two. Yeah. Right? Which is the what the uh, the what's called the equity, and the equity in this case um, is actually what the shareholders own. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yes. uh, so the owners of the company own that, that component of it. Right. Sometimes we'll say, uh, shareholders equity. Yes. Uh, so that term is synonymous with shareholders equity. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, when you start looking at the, the balance sheet, you may see that term. Uh, and then the other term that you may look at, uh, and you know, get confused with is, uh, cause you know, finance loves to have, you know, 17 terms for the same thing. All these acronyms. Too. Uh, yeah. Book value is also is uh, the same as equity. Mm-hmm. So if you hear that term book value or you hear uh, the term equity, it, it uh, refers to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And actually, one idea that just came to my mind. Before we dive into the asset and, and dive more into the balance sheet, break it apart, can you tell the listeners... Um, why balance sheet is important and why it is different than income statement. I think that's important yeah. to do to, to make the clear distinction that income statement serves its own purpose and balance sheet serves its very distinct purpose. Yeah. <clears throat> so the, the important thing to understand about 
the balance sheet is it it is a window into the financial health of the company right so uh, companies can be structured differently and we talked about this in the debt and equity episode <clears throat> you know when a company is founded they can borrow money uh, they can sell shares in the company um, to generate um, uh, cash to, to run a business um, so depending on how you know you may have two businesses that operate in the exact same industry in the exact same uh, uh, you know sell the exact same goods and so on um, you know but they are financially structured differently so they may have uh, higher debt uh, versus equity in a in one company and the other company may have no debt at all so you know the idea here is that you look at the financials to identify um, you know how healthy is this business is it going to run out of money is it going to have you know run into a financing problem where you know they need to continue to grow their business but nobody's gonna lend them money because they already have too much debt you know on the uh, on the balance sheet so these are all of the things that you kind of look at when you're looking at the um, you know the the balance sheet and it also tells you a lot of uh, information that is important to you know how quickly does um, you know how quickly would they run out of money so in some cases they have a um, you know they have short-term financing problems or long-term financing problems but at the end of the day the only reason a business goes out of business is that they run out of cash right they, they have to pay too many people and they run out of money so right. it's very important to understand uh, this from a financial standpoint and hopefully that when you start investing you are able to piece through this and um, uh, and get this the you know these concepts yeah I also want to point out one more thing that's at least for me was really helpful with understanding balance sheet and why it's so different and why it serves as I said before it serves a very distinct purpose than let's say income statement or cash flow is that income statement is how the company did in a, in a given period of time I think this is very important to emphasize in a given period of time let's say this quarter or this past year whereas balance sheet is a snapshot in time like Hari said this is one snapshot in time the the financial health of the company and what the company owns and owes and so at least for me it was very really helpful um, to think in that way so income again income statement is how the company did over a period of time and balance sheet is okay after after that period of time what happened to the bank statement of the company <clears throat> yeah I mean I, I think the other way to think about it is income statement tells you how does the business how is the successful is the business in its operations you know relative to other periods of time and a balance sheet is more about financial health it doesn't tell you a lot about what business this is this is in I mean although there are some things that you'll see with that with you know different balance sheets but it doesn't tell you how successful the business was at, at turning you know generating profit and things like that right what it does tell you is just you know how much money do they have how much money do they owe yeah yeah <clears throat> okay enough of the overview why don't we dive right into kind of the uh, the details of the asset part of the balance sheet yep this is usually on the left side of the balance sheet and uh, take us through the the anatomy of, of, of assets sure uh, so the you know to I, I think the Im most important thing is there is a accounting test that they use in order to what quantifies as an asset right so an asset must be valuable and it has to be quantifiable so there has to be a way to assign a dollar amount to that uh, and uh, in, in order for it to appear on the balance sheet 
So what is interesting about that concept is um, if, you know, a company has like a brand or a trademark or something like that, it may not necessarily appear on the balance sheet for the for simply for the reason that there is no way to measure what that asset is worth. Now, it may be incredibly valuable. I mean, think about the Coca-Cola logo, the Coca-Cola yeah. brand. Nike. Nike, Mickey Mouse. Starbucks. Yeah. All of these things have an enormous value to their company, their respective companies. Yeah. And you can say, well, you know, they can license this brand or something like that. But that's not how, you know, how it necessarily works here. You have to think about it from the perspective of I'm an accountant. You know, I go and buy a building. A building is easy to value and quantify. Um, you know, a uh, you know a trademark is much more difficult because anybody can trademark something, right? Yeah. And that trademark, if I trademarked, you know, Value Investor TV, it doesn't have the same value as a trademark for Disney, for example. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day. But Maybe one day. Yes. Not, not today. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's important to understand that because the valuation. And quantifiableness of this is very important. And what you'll see when you, as we talk about this, is when companies exchange, you know, when a company buys another company, then there is a valuation that can occur at that time. And when that valuation occurs, now you can, that the valuation of certain intangible assets like trademarks can appear on the balance sheet. Yeah. But, it, but if we were to create that, it doesn't show up. So there's a, there's a, some, interesting you know parts of the of accounting rules that you know we'll talk about as we go through this and some you know many of them may not be in scope for this you know intro talk but you know we'll uh we'll kind of lay those out as we you know shift over to start talking about companies we'll we'll, we'll kind of hammer on some of those things yeah again to highlight Hari's point to reiterate asset must be valuable and quantifiable so it must be able to assign value and should be quantifiable um and that's that's the accounting rule for assigning something as an asset, classifying something as an asset. So that's we have to make sure that uh, we we have that in mind uh, before we actually dive into the asset part of, part of the balance sheet. So why don't we take why don't you take us through uh, how it's laid out? Um, we talked about you know in kind of making an analogy to the income statement of how we start from the top line. All the expenses are thrown out, and then the bottom line. You know, it's it's easy to understand these things if you understand the structure, the anatomy of how the how how these uh, financial statements are arranged. So there is a some there is a rule to how these assets are laid out in the balance sheet. So tell us about <clears throat> that, Hari. Yeah. So let's start with uh, you know at the very top the there's a convention that's very important. It applies to li assets and liabilities, which is uh, as you go from the top to the bottom, it uh, goes in uh, order of descending liquidity. So that's a fancy way for saying how quickly does it become cash. So at the very top of the uh, balance sheet, you have cash already. So um, and you know this convention also applies to uh, what they call current assets and non-current assets. So current assets are assets that will get converted to cash or expected to be converted to cash in the next 12 months. Non-current assets are greater than 12 months. So when we talk about descending liquidity, it's how quickly is that going to be converted to cash? So cash is already cash. Then they have this uh, thing called short-term investments, which are, uh, and, and to be 
you know, just to add one more thing to that to that cash. Cash may also be cash in foreign bank accounts. It may be cash that is, uh, uh, you know, in in when they say it's in foreign bank accounts, it, they will report it all as U.S. dollars. So on that day of this, that the snapshot is occurs in the balance sheet, they will convert all of that from whatever currency it's in. I mean, think about Coca-Cola. They have operations in basically every country in the world. They also have bank accounts in every country in the world. So when they put together this balance sheet, they are telling you what is that U.S. doll in U.S. dollars because mm-hmm. that's how they report. Um, b- before before we move move further, um, could you for very beginner listeners, yeah, liquidity might be kind of an odd word for them. Sure, could we define it before we move on? Yeah, so liquidity means it's how readily available is that to be converted into cash. And so when you talk about liquidity, it, it's uh, if you think about it like um, if I buy a piece of artwork, right, and I buy a rare Picasso, you know, the market for Picassos is not like the stock market. The stock market has a um, – there's lots of transactions, lots of buyers and sellers of, you know, a- every single day, you know, five days a week. So that liquidity uh, is I'm able to convert my stocks into cash very quickly. Mm. It takes me a lot longer to convert my Picasso into uh, cash, right? Or even something less rare like real estate. You know, you put your house up on the market, it may take 30, 60, 90 days for it to convert. Whereas in the stock market, it may take, you know, 10 seconds, you know, or five seconds, however long it takes me to log in and click on things, right? So... You know, when you when you start talking about liquidity, it's how quickly can they convert that? So, mm-hmm. you know, think about a company um, like Toys R Us that has inventory, right? So they buy a bunch of goods from uh, their various you know retail channels. How quickly can they convert from their inventory into cash? Yep. And so that is when something gets purchased. So, you know, as we start talking about this, uh, you know, you, you'll see that. It, it it's harder and harder for these things to con- get converted to cash. Yep. Sometimes faster, sometimes slower. So with that with that in mind, with that definition in mind, why don't we go back to the the kind of anatomy again? So you talked about cash. This is under current assets. So cash as the the most liquid. I mean, yeah. it is definition of liquid asset. Right. It's it's cash. Yeah. You can't get more liquid than that, right? Yeah. Next in line is what. So short-term investments. So what will happen is uh, generally companies will have chief financial officers, accountants, and other things who will say, we're not going to use this cash for six months. Uh, so we'll put it in a treasury bill. You know, So this is you know the U.S. government issues treasury bonds. And so that way we'll get a better interest rate than just leaving it in the bank account, right? So uh, sometimes they have these short-term inv- investments that are just there for three months, six months. But the idea is that they will be cash. So mentally, I, I don't treat that as any different than cash. You know, it, it's they can convert it whenever they need to. Uh, and in, in many cases, the short-term investments, there's also a market to just sell that asset, you know, if they need the money immediately. So... You know, it, it's effectively just cash already. Yeah. Um, so it, next in line, go ahead. <clears throat> so accounts receivable is um, is the next one. Um, so you know, when we talked about the income statement, we said that company has to sell an item, right? 
So when they sell, you know, when they sell an item, they ship it to their uh, uh, to the customer. That is counted as revenue at that point, right? But what is revenue is not necessarily what is cash, right? And so the way that they track how much is is sold but not ha- hasn't been paid for is in this accounts receivable line. So depending on the type of business, you know, if you're a wholesale manufacturer of something, you may have a large accounts receivable uh, section. Um, whereas if you're a Toys R Us or something like that, you may not have any accounts receivable if everybody pays you in cash, mm-hmm. right, up front. So, I mean, it, this is going to be business dependent, but effectively it's you, you've you you know given your uh, uh, supplier, your, or I'm sorry, your customer 30, 60, 90 days to pay you. Uh, and so, you know, based on how long it takes them to pay, you know, this number may fluctuate. So, you know, it's hard to say that you can just look at these two numbers and, uh, you know, year to year and just say, hey, this is, you know, this has changed because, again, it's a snapshot in time. So, um, you know, obviously, if accounts receivable just keeps going up, you know, far outseeding the um the number of you know you know relative to revenue and stuff like that, companies may be extending more and more credit to their customers, um, and maybe that that's a problem. Maybe it's not. You know that's something that you'll have to read um, in the footnotes to to all of this stuff. Right, right. And the next in line is you want to talk about the next. Uh, item? <clears throat> yeah. So inventory is the is the next one. Uh, you know, which are things that are going to be sold. So, so it, I mean, inventory is probably what you you would think. It's it's um, depending on the type of business, it is unfinished goods. Uh, so like you buy materials from your uh, suppliers to build something that goes in, in, into inventory. It includes finished goods. So things that are, um, you know, have been completed. And, you know, the the way that inventory is measured is essentially a company builds something, you know, it, it gets put into inventory. The inventory is sold um, and that becomes... Uh, you know, your accounts receivable. And then when the accounts receivable gets paid, your cash increases. So just like we saw in this current assets, right? Your, uh, we, you know, we went from uh, descending liquidity. If we're going backwards up the chain, right? We start with the inventory, we go to accounts receivable, uh, and then we go to cash. And those, that step, stepwise process is occurring because we are converting things into more uh, liquid things. Yeah. Why don't we? I'm going to go ahead and then summarize that part because I think it's very, very important to understand yep. this structure, right? This rule, everything is rule based here. So, again, descending, descending liquidity. Start from if you look at current asset part of the asset, you'll start with cash, most liquid, and then you'll move down the chain all the way to inventory. Yep. And then if you reverse that thought process and go from the bottom up. Effectively, that means, okay, I have this much inventory, receivable, and then cash. So you can think in both ways, but effectively, it's the same kind of mindset yep. of liquidity. Right. Uh, uh, ascending or descending liquidity. Yeah, so let's also, I mean, while we're talking about this, I think it's also important to understand companies are planning to sell this stuff within the next 12 months. But, it, you know, if you remember back to, um, you know, Companies make mistakes. They decide to, you know, market something or whatever, and it just doesn't turn out to be what they expect, right? And so when we start talking about these things, inventory can't just sit on the balance sheet forever. So if if they realize that people are just not buying what they expect to buy, 
the, they may have to write down the inventory and yep. say that these goods are not being sold, and then they they actually will take a hit to their income um, via one-time expense for writing down this inventory. So you know we'll do a wrap-up talk about you know putting these things together, all of the ba- all of the financial statements together. But it's important to understand that the inventory, accounts receivable, uh, and cash both tie into the cash flow statement and the income statement. And if, if you can't sell inventory, then you have to take a uh, charge against your income statement for that year. Yeah. So that's how these two you know kind of statements uh, tie together. And we'll talk about that more when we put it all together. But just keep that in the back of your mind. Yep. Okay. So that was current assets, right? Again, as a reminder, current asset is... Everything, everything that we listed here, can be converted into and, and can be and slashed, and slash, will be, converted into cash. Yep, that's what current asset means. Okay, if you contrast that with long-term assets, right, which is assets that the company doesn't want to or doesn't think that they should convert them into into cash. Yep. So that's long-term asset. So kind of have a mental picture. Okay, asset, you break it down to two. Current, long-term, and and within those two bubbles, everything is in liquidity order, like we talked right. about. So let's go into that second bubble, which is long-term assets. Yeah, so long-term assets is the... Think about long-term assets as things that the company uses over a longer period of time. So they have a useful life of multiple years. Um, and, you know, think about buildings. So at, at the, the term that they use is property, plant, and equipment. So property obviously is land, buildings, you know, that kind of stuff. Plants are, you know, manufacturing plants, uh, warehousing, um, and equipment is, you know, uh, the steel mill saw, the, you know, the equipment that, you know, you use to manufacture things, your shipping uh you know, that kind of stuff. It, it, it even includes things like cars, you know, for if you're a shipping company, you know, uh, things that you have on the asset uh, side of the house. Um, and these are also, you know, fixed assets because they are, you know, for the most part, you are not, you're not selling these items uh, as part of your day-to-day business. So they are assets that stay as part of your business. They will last longer than a few years. Um and because they are there for multiple years, they're going to get removed. Um, you know, you may actually end up selling those things at a later date, but that's not part of your uh, operations. You know, now compare that to a car company who, you know, the car, yes, it'll last more than five years, I hope, right? But a car is not a long-term asset for the for the Ford Motor Company. The car is what they actually sell. Right. So you would see that in inventory and accounts receivable and, mm-hmm. and so on. So, yeah. uh, uh, so you know, it's important to, to make the distinction between those two because fixed assets versus, um, you know, uh, what we would call intangible assets, right? Um, and so that that is intangible assets are things that, again, you have to put them in a... Uh, they have to meet a certain criteria, which is uh, valuable and quantifiable. So, so what happens is companies actually have uh, what's called uh, goodwill, right? And so, goodwill is actually um, the result of purchasing another company, right? So, let's say that our hot dog stand had, you know, wanted to buy a rival hot dog company. So, what the 
what they will look at is they'll say, what are the assets and the liabilities of hot dog company uh, competitor, right? And they'll say, if they have $100 in equity, but you pay $150 for the company, what will get marked on the uh, balance sheet is we will get their assets, we will get their liabilities, and they will appear on our uh, assets and liabilities. But then they will also mark the extra $50 that we spent and put that into goodwill. And the reason that that exists is that the goodwill for that uh, is an accounting you know, concept to tell you that you spent money on an asset, you spent more than what you know, than the, just the sum of the assets and liabilities that they had. And so by, you know, merging these two concepts together, you have this leftover and they call that goodwill. Um, the reason that that's important is that sometimes companies will buy other businesses. They will accumulate an enormous amount of goodwill because they've paid over the asset minus liability, the, you know, the equity price. And then that, that, company that they purchased, they don't know what to do with it. They can't actually get it to work. And then they will take an expense against their income. Uh, and so you'll see that as a write down of goodwill, just like we saw a write down of inventory earlier. Um, and so it's important to, to keep these things in mind is that, you know, first of all, if you're paying something above the asset price, um, you get, you know, a, uh, you get to keep, um, you know, this, you know, goodwill, uh, recorded. Uh, and it's, so it's important to see, you know, to kind of look at that and say, uh, especially a lot of tech companies will acquire a lot of businesses. They will pay a lot more than the asset that the business has on hand because tech companies typically don't have a lot of assets. Uh, and as a result, there's, they may have a large goodwill component to their uh, asset base. Right. So long-term asset, just kind of recap here. So we talked about property, plants, equipments, fixed assets. Those are the things that the company uses to operate. Uh, so, for example, in our hot dog stand, a fixed asset could be our cart. Uh, what else? A hot our, dog our machine. Our storefront. Storefront. Our all that. All that is would be would be categorized under long-term asset and, and fixed asset. And Lahar said, let's say we want to go buy another hot dog company. We paid an extra $50. That fifty dollars would be we marked here in goodwill. Um, so we talked about that. Anything else you want to add here? Yeah. So the the important thing also to remember is <clears throat> every you know let's say I buy the a building mm -hmm. right. I mark on the asset uh, on the balance sheet what is the price I paid for the asset. Oh yeah. So let's say over a twenty five year period. That building, you know, the real estate in the area has appreciated significantly. Yeah. I do not increase the value on the on the asset on the balance sheet for that asset. Yeah. And the 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 reason for that is it's very difficult to quantify that change because until I actually sell it, I don't know what it is worth, right? And so there's some there's some argument about, well, you know, this, you know, company could have a lot of assets that are worth a lot more than what is recorded on the balance sheet, but you don't, you know, identify it correctly. So it's an interesting quirk of how the accounting works is that if there is a permanent loss of a value in an asset, they are required to write down the asset. But if there is a gain in the asset, but it hasn't been sold yet, then you don't get to increase the value on the balance sheet. So just to, 
interesting, you know, quirk of how, you know, I, I'm actually, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's not a quirk. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense to do what they're saying because it accurately reflects how much was the price that was paid for, yeah. for, for a certain asset. Yeah, exactly. And as an investor, you know, I think maybe you want to chime in on this too. Um, as an investor, it's actually, it's actually a very interesting place to look for hidden values because companies, for example, I know you mentioned Macy's, for example. Yeah. They bought a they bought a real piece of real estate and they have this you know gigantic uh, real estate in New York and San Francisco as well, I believe. And they bought it a long, long time ago. Yeah. And so the price they paid, you know, I don't know when, but many many decades ago, they the price they paid then obviously is much less than what we what we paid now because of inflation and everything else. Yeah. And so, if you look at their balance sheet, it may look, it may look, not substantial. But if you actually step back and think about it, oh well, this is the accounting rule. So if you actually sell this property, you can get a lot more cash for that. Right. And so the only time that they would see it is when the actual sale occurred. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's important to understand that because uh, some businesses have, you know, it is better for them to sell the the property than it is to actually continue to run you know, you know, operations through that. And maybe you sell the property and then move to a cheaper location, pocket the, the money for your investors. So think of thinking about it from that perspective, you know, as we talk about activist investors and other groups who would try and unlock value from a company, they may buy a business seeing an asset that is, you know, underappreciated or undervalued uh, on their on their balance sheet. And then push for the company to either sell it or you know make make some changes to unlock that value. So, right. and that may be a good place to look from an uh, from an investor standpoint. Um, you know, they're not necessarily easy to find, but when you do find one, it you know it could mean a tremendous amount of value for you as an investor. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, do you want to talk about depreciation and amortization? Yeah, here. Um, yeah, so let's let's talk about depreciation for a minute. So we talked about property, plant, and equipment. And we had said in the uh, income statement, we had talked about what depreciation was. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is a non-cash expense, but it is a real expense over the long term, is that, you know, that car or truck that you buy that you use to haul, um, you know, supplies, you know, our hot dogs to, to our various stores, over time that, that truck breaks down. Mm -hmm. We have to replace it. Um, but rather than just expensing the replacement cost, as a one-time thing, which will appear in the cash flow statement, we actually take an accumulate what's called accumulated depreciation, or we say every year we you know take if the asset life is five years for a truck, we take one fifth of the asset every single year as an expense, and then we mark on the balance sheet um, a you know depreciation cost. So we say that the fixed assets minus the accumulated depreciation is net fixed assets. So for the most part, land is not depreciable because it land is land, um, <clears throat> but buildings, uh, equipment, uh, and other goods that fall under property, plant, and equipment will um, will will be depreciable. And so the idea is that you would replace those, um, but not every year, or you would replace a percentage of them every year, depending on you know what needs to be fixed. So I mean, you may have a truck that is on the balance sheet that is worth nothing because it's completely depreciated out but you still can use the truck um you know a as an asset you just can't take an expense 
you know, a hit to your taxable earnings, uh, you know, as a result of that. So accumulated depreciation is something that we'll, I think we'll probably talk about it a lot over time. It is an abstract concept. Some people, you know, it takes a little while for them to understand it. Um, but just know that, you know, this is how we link the income statement and the balance sheet is we accumulate the depreciation that has occurred in an asset over time. Um, and that asset loses value based on how much, you know, depreciation has been accumulated. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have market value, which is different from the accounting value here. Right. One of the things that was interesting when I first looked into this was there's an, there's a set of rules that all these accountants go by where yep. where you have you know boat for example a large boat will depreciate by this percentage or, <clears throat> excuse me a building will depreciate by this percentage right that percentage of depreciation that you all you take out every year or every you know so often is kind of standardized and set right yeah they, there's standard accounting rules called gap GAAP, which we talked about earlier, the mm. generally accepted accounting principles yeah. that tell you what are the rates of depreciation. depreciation yeah. yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. That was very interesting. So that's anything else you want to add here, the long-term asset part of this? So I, I think this is more of an abstract concept also, but um, even more so than depreciation. But amortization is the same, same concept, um, but it applies to intangible assets. Mm -hmm. So... Um, the value of, say, a patent, which is an intangible asset, which you purchased from another company, which is how you quantify the asset, um, can amortize over a 17-year period or a five-year period, depending on how long the patent is for. And then you can take uh, expenses against that. So depreciation is against fixed assets. Amortization is against intangible assets. Mm -hmm. um, both are <clears throat> expenses that you'll see on the uh, income statement uh, that'll occur as expenses but aren't necessarily cash expenses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that was the kind of overview of the long-term assets. Again, going back to the high level here, liquidity, descending liquidity, very important to understand the current assets. And then we also talked about the long-term assets and uh, depreciation and amortization. I know this is, you know, this could be kind of uh, difficult to wrap your head around. Um, I recommend that I'd, I'd advise people to kind of read about it online, listen to this podcast multiple times, because certainly for me, it took a few few trials to fully understand, uh, fully understand the, the meaning of these things and what it means as an investor. And if you're, you have questions, just, uh, you know, you can email us, um, find us on Twitter uh, or Instagram, or leave a comment, and you know we'll be happy to look at uh, and answer your question. Yep. Okay. Uh, so that is the asset part of this balance sheet. Uh, we talked about it quite a bit here, um, and then we'll move on to the next episode on the other side, the left, uh, the right side of the balance sheet equation, which is equity and liability. We'll talk about that in the next episode. Well, thank you for joining us on episode sixteen, balance sheet assets. Um, so we'll see you on the next one. See you then.